lot of things I want to get off my chest. It is podcast day. Welcome to You Know It's Fake Right Podcast, episode four. We're going to go October 14th, 2015. Uh, again, I am a day late. <laughs> um, please don't hold it over my head too much. I just I wanted to do it last night. <clears throat> I was trying to have a guest on, a fellow uh, wrestling nerd like myself from uh, a Facebook group that I'm a part of. Uh, Derek, we're going to try to have Derek on uh, next week. Um, if he can come on and, uh, in the next coming weeks, a few more guests and hopefully, um, a, uh, a pretty well-known ex WWE, uh, superstar. So, uh, we're going to keep plugging away here, but in the meantime, I'm just going to roll solo because, uh, I think that it's going to be okay for now. And if no one's listening and if people are mad because I didn't deliver on Wednesday, Wednesday, midday, like I'm supposed to, I'm really, really sorry. I'll send you a monster, you know, monster is the sponsor of this show. Uh, the, where is it here? Cool blue or whatever it is, or the white or the red, uh, you have your choice. So if you write to, you know, it's fake, right? At gmail.com. Give me your information and I will send you through the mail on monster energy because they do sponsor this fine wrestling podcast. So anyway, so I'm a day late, but I've had more time to process some more stuff this week as I've kind of digested raw and last week, um, I think the day that I released episode three, yeah, NXT TakeOver Respect was on, um, and I was thoroughly blown away by that card. I mean, it just, it's, and I'll touch on this, touch on this later on the podcast. It's getting to a point where NXT feels like everything wrestling should be and everything wrestling fans are clamoring for, um, you know, minus the kids, minus the casual fan who just. Uh, brings their kids to a show or a raw or a local house show because they hear that John Cena is coming through and they go and knowing half of the people, you know, not talking about them, talking about people like me, uh, the the demographic who used to exist during the, uh, the attitude era in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. It just, WWE has put themselves in a very, very tough situation, um, that I will touch on, uh, a lot. I actually had some emails come in. I'm surprising, uh, surprisingly. Um, and I'll answer those at the very end in the mailbag. Again, if you want to send a question in, I'll do three questions, three or four or five, depending on how many we get. If I get none, I'll just, uh, I'll just keep talking to myself. <laughs> um, it's a, you know, it's fake, right? At gmail.com. And, uh, let's get into it. Uh, raw this week. Um, Raw, it, again, it's so weird because I touched on it last week about how uh, seeing the show live in person is a lot different and it's hard to kind of see how it comes off on TV. So in person, you're like, oh, this is great. Everything's loud and everybody gets a good pop and, you know, the, you know, it doesn't seem as bad as it's portrayed on television. I actually, again, didn't watch it live because me and my roommate don't pay for cable and I just watched it on Hulu the next day, which is actually the best choice because they just cut everything out that you usually don't want to see. Every once in a while, they'll take out uh, an entrance or a couple segments just because uh, they were too short, but they might have been something you want to see. But again, because WWE makes it so easy to um, obtain information and to get uh, you know just content, you can just go to their, you can go to anywhere on YouTube and just find it on their channel. You know, it's just. It's this, uh, this constant kind of battle that they do not know how to win is how much do they want out there and is having all the stuff that they have out there hurting 
their uh, their draw to watch live. I you know I think it is. So Raw came to us from Chicago on Monday, which is hilarious because it was really weird actually. Hilarious but weird. Uh, usually they have a really raucous Chicago crowd, um, and every time they go there again, you know they have the CM Punk chance, which I thought for sure we were past at this point. Thought for sure. But so many, probably three or four times, audible. I mean, audibly. I mean, I don't even think turning down the crowd volume would have helped on, uh, you know, in, you know, in producing this live. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I just, it, you know, if you're gonna go to the show and you're gonna go to, enjoy, you know, it's just this whole idea of these fans. I think they're too smart. You know, why pay for a ticket and go to an event? I guess you could, you have the right to do whatever you want. But at the same time, it's like. You know, why do that? You know what I mean? It's the only, you know, it's just, um, guys, let it go. You know, he's never coming back. He's probably one of the few wrestlers besides The Rock and, you know, Stone Cold and, you know, maybe Hogan that, you know, has ever kind of left and had more of an upside, I think, than than uh, anybody else leaving because he has the ability to host TV shows, act, he's doing his comic thing. Um, I'm sure everybody would love to have him, you know, do something in the future. And it remains to be seen what he does in UFC. Um, now that he just announced that he's going to be extending his training and his debut four or five more months because of a shoulder injury that they have not disclosed what exactly is his injury. Um, so yeah, so it came from there. Uh, crowd wasn't as raucous. I'm not sure if the product has kind of weighed on these people and they weren't expecting much or they couldn't get behind it. But I mean, what else would it be? Chicago, every show that they have there, whether it's a SmackDown, a pay-per-view, especially a pay-per-view or a Raw it's, you know, compared to the post-WrestleMania Raw, Chicago and Philadelphia are it. You got the New York and Boston sometimes, too. Um, but Philadelphia and, and, um, and Chicago, man, those are the raucous crowds, man. And they open up with Dean Ambrose and uh, to a, a smaller pop than I would assume. I think this was their attempt to kind of get people invested kind of early. Um, you know, I'm going to probably touch on a few segments because this Raw was just... It was just bad. It was real fucking bad. Um, and it's been, you know, the <laughs> last three, four months of just really bad raws. And then they, tr- and then what they do is they they try to hook you that last raw, and all these filler raws are terrible. And then they put on a semi decent pay per view, and it's just, you know, you just can't hope to tread water for three or four weeks. You know, uh, get them excited at the end and hope they tune in. It just you know, I, I just don't see the, the logic in that. Um, so he comes out, Randy Orton interrupts, you know, they talk about da da da, you know, uh, we should, you know, we should be facing the Wyatts that I want to be your partner. New day interrupts who I think the new day are the best thing going on television right now. A uh, little bit of, uh, confusion last week at the end of the raw that I attended with just, you know, they're these funny, entertaining, can't be taken seriously heels. And they tried to make him serious all of a sudden. Here they come back out again, uh, being funny and hilarious, and and said some really funny things to Randy Orton about you know how many groups he's been a part of and this and that. And Chicago was you know Chicago was loving it. You know what I mean? It's just like it. it I'm almost hard pressed to say you know if he didn't drop the Derrick Rose insult, uh, Xavier Woods, they would have gotten cheered more than Randy Orton and uh, Dean Ambrose. It's a weird position to put uh, your baby faces in, especially when you know people want to cheer these hilarious, ignorant heels. So they come out. This was basically as they exchange, uh, you know, back and forth, whatever. Um, you know, it, it, 
so they set up a match for later on in the evening uh, or Kane comes on the screen, excuse me, and says that they're going to, uh, they're going to uh, face right now uh, or compete against each other right now. So it's uh, Randy Orton and Dolph Ziggler. I mean, Randy Orton and, uh, and Dean Ambrose, excuse me. So, uh, I don't know. Opening match. Uh, seems like a lot of the same. I really don't think they need uh, anybody else, you know, in this feud. So, it looks like they're going to go forward with Orton and Ambrose uh, versus uh, the New Day at Hell in a Cell. Um, New Day ends up uh, uh, winning this with a little uh, roll-up on Orton from behind for kind of a surprise little victory. Um, and the winners, you know, 18 minutes into the show... Uh, they're the winners. Uh, and then they start introducing this weird storyline with Kane, which is so weird to me because it it's 2015. Like there's, there's, there's cell phones, there's, there's texting, there's email. And it's like, how are we to believe that this whole raw centers around Kane on a boardroom speakerphone setup, trying to get in touch with triple H and Stephanie who are flying, but trying to make their way to the show and trying to get there on time. And they're saying that Kane's in charge for the night. And, uh, you know, he's in, he's in charge of setting up, you know, this lumberjack match with Seth Rollins later in the night and to figure out who the opponent is. So as, as entertaining as I think Kane is, and he's a very smart guy and, you know, he's doing what they're telling him to do. I think the ratings reflect this week, which got dangerously close to a three, you know, every hour, one, two to three, they dropped off. I think it was 328, 32, and then 3.08. Super close to going under a three every hour because they're continually telling this big storyline with Kane trying to get in touch with the authority. And, you know, put it this way I fast forwarded through Hulu when I was watching this stuff because I, why? Why do I care? Why do I care? <sighs> God. They go to a video package of The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar a couple times during this show. Um,. I, for one, am very happy to see this match coming up. I want to see it come up. I want to see Lesnar win. I want to see him go over cleanly. And then I want Undertaker to go away until WrestleMania time and come back to Avenge and, uh, you know, start winning again at WrestleMania. Um, it does nothing for Brock Lesnar to lose. Another screwy finish and you might have a riot. Um, especially if this was in Philadelphia or New York or Chicago, you would have a riot if there was another screwy finish. There has to be a clear-cut winner. Beating Brock after taking all of this time to build him up would make no sense. Uh, you know, the, the finish they did last time was actually in retrospect, pretty smart, but at the same time, why did that match need to happen there? You know, um, I think this is their call. This is their call to try to get this done and out of the way. Cause they understand that people, you know, really want to see this kind of kind of end and move along if they even wanted to see the match that they had, uh, at SummerSlam, you know? So, uh, you know, pretty good job. WWE to their credit does a fantastic job in their video department, uh, putting together packages. They always do an amazing job with packages. I will say that amongst some of the other things they don't do well, they do this very well. Um, team Bella, God, just, you know what? I'm not going to touch on this too, too much. Um, but I will say this, I'll bring it back to Sasha Banks later. It's yet Nikki Bella with her little Bellites and Naomi who for all intents and purposes, Naomi's a great, great athlete. Uh, such a great upside really to see her evolve from the Funkadackles is awesome. But I'm not really sure how you put Sasha Banks out there and expect the fans to not chant her name and to take the focus off the match. Um, I'm not sure how they don't see what Sasha Banks has done in NXT 
and what she's capable of of doing on the main roster if they let her be herself, which is talk when she needs to talk, be the charismatic, you know, best woman's wrestler in the world as we speak. She's 23 years old. I would say she's the best woman's wrestler in the world. Show me, show me somebody better. Sasha Banks has been killing it for the last year. Um, and she had her last match at NXT Respect, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, um, there was a distraction. Uh, you know, Sasha did something. Uh, you know, Brie got the little cheap uh, cheap roll-up, which apparently is their favorite move nowadays in WWE. Just that little cheap roll-up kind of gets them out of, uh, you know, it really doesn't have them beat them. You know, it's a cheap way to win, so it's not really a clean finish. Just, you know, it's a roll-up. Um, you know, and all this did was just design, you know, set up a design for Nikki to get a win before we go back and facing Charlotte. So she looks strong going into the pay-per-view. Uh, I'm not really sure what they're planning to do next week, but, um, I looked at this as filler and anytime Sasha Banks, anybody like that is out there and they have to watch a four minute match between Nikki Bella and whoever else is out there. Um, it's an insult to the fans and because so many people watch NXT now and know who she is. You, you're you're going to have to deal with backlash. So WWE, touch on it in a minute, but you need to get your shit together with that. Um, so John Cena's US title open challenge. Now it's going to be the first, you know, one of the matches deep into the show. Instead of being deep into the show, like the one in Boston, they're just going to um, <laughs> put it on midway, midway through to try to hook people into staying for that second hour. Um, so he comes out and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> obviously... Uh, he gets booed quite a bit. Um, Chicago is not a fan of John Cena. Um, of course he does his, and this is the only thing I, I love John Cena as a wrestler. I think he's a hard worker. I mean, what it takes to be in his position for a decade is mind blowing. Uh, his work ethic is unparalleled. And to be honest, the last year he's impressed me so much. He's, he's gotten a little bit better. He's gotten a lot better in the ring and had great matches with Kevin Owens and, uh, you know, Cesaro and Neville and all the open stuff and Rollins and just, you know, really done a good job. But the one thing I cannot stand about him is when he starts pandering to the, to the crowd that's booing him, you know, just, I don't understand that. You know, you're, you're, you're going to make people despise you more. You're going to make people, uh, hate you even more. And this is what the biggest gripe is with wrestling fans. My age is they, they just, you know, he comes out and it, I've touched on the scene of heel turn before. It'll, it'll probably never happen as much as it should. And, you know, minus a few kids with their with their fathers in the crowd, um, you know, no one's going to sit there and go, oh, well, he said it's good to be in Chicago. We should cheer him now. It's not <laughs> it's not going to be uh, it's not going to ever be that um, talks about how it was his first match here, et cetera. Da, da, da. He issues the challenge and Dolph Ziggler's music played and it was, seemed like it was a restart or a repeat from last week. Um, this is awkward as hell because, again, initially I thought the storyline on total divas was real it's clearly not real it's a, it's a it's a attempt to bring over some of the total divas audience to raw who see this happening on the show and go oh my god i wonder what's going to happen when Dolph and john you know fight on raw and they're hoping to bring some of those people over clearly it's not really happening in real life <laughs> um you know it's another man's girlfriend another man's wife whatever you want to call it if they ever get married um so yeah so they come down I will say it's probably the best match of the night. Um, you know, it, one thing I did not, I think it's great that someone proposed to a girlfriend in the audience. I think it's uh, cool to acknowledge it, but for Cena to grab the mic mid-match, it's WWE is getting so far away from pro wrestling. Whenever in the history of pro wrestling has somebody, there's been, I'm sure, tons of things that have happened in the audiences of pro wrestling events for the years, for the past 60, 70 years. 
Not once did a guy ever grab the mic or have the balls to grab the mic and go, congratulations to them. And just, you know, if I was the guy facing Cena, I would have cold cocked him while he was turned around looking at the people in the audience. It's just this weird um, play back and forth between what's real and what's fake, where they want to draw the line. So let's just, let's just break kayfabe right now and let's just stop the match and everybody and let's just thank these people in the crowd um they're there to see you you're not there to acknowledge everything they're doing please keep the action in the ring please keep focused um so he thanks this they go back to the action in the ring after this pause to thank them to uh congratulate them on their met on their wedding or their engagement or whatever and uh this match was actually pretty good um one you know really really you know a couple of close calls uh ziggler hit a couple super super kicks uh who did the zigzag um, the fame, I don't know if he got the famous or in. Nope. Didn't get the famous or in. Um, oh no, excuse me. He did. It was when Cena went for the, uh, the AA standing on his feet, Ziggler countered into a fame master. These two guys have good chemistry. There's another person that Cena can feud with after, you know, leading up to hell in a cell. If this is where they go. And then after he comes back, uh, Ziggler's that guy who can put on those Rollins types, Owens types, Cena matches, and it can be good if they tell a good enough story. I mean, and I also like to see Ziggler turn heel again. He's very, you know, they, they fucked him. You know, after Survivor Series last year, when it looked like he was going to be pushed a little bit more after Sting helped him out and he won for uh, for their team to send the authority out of power because that lasted uh, however long that lasted. Um, but, of course, you know, it doesn't matter. It's week to week, right? WWE, no one remembers anything. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see you do something because they, they, they just royally fucked him with the Lana and Rusev story in Summer Rae. Right? I mean, that... I'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, so his character has just been through the ringer, uh, reset him, give him a heel gimmick, let him go, let him be why everybody liked him in the beginning in 2011, 2012, let him just be entertaining and be a little weasel and, uh, and let that go. But again, the gripe I had about this match was, um, Zena kicked out of the zigzag. Uh, then Cena just stands up and hits the AA for the win. Um, I, uh, all these near falls, all this stuff, Super Cena pops up and gets the win. Uh, almost a twenty minute match here, so it, it was it was really really good. Um, you know, this is the best thing on Raw for the past three or four months. The U.S. Title Open Challenge. It's gonna be tough with Cena going away. Um, it's gonna be real tough. Even though people boo him, even though whatever he's he's been the one constant as far as putting on decent matches uh, on Raw. You know, if you think about all the Raws in the past four months, take away that that U.S. Open title match, and how would how would people respond to most of the Raws? Probably worse than they already do right now. But uh, but just think about that. Um, another backstage seg- segment with Kane. He there's this keep back and forth of mumbling and someone yelling, and uh, you know he tries to tell them that he booked themselves tonight, but they didn't hear him or they misunderstood. Um, you know, and it's just, again, this is now, we're an hour and a half into the show, and this is still going on. It's like, okay, so we know we're leading towards Kane and Seth Rollins. Nobody wants to see that. Legit, legitimately, nobody wants to see that. So, you know, they're teasing finding finding someone, you know, um, later on, after Triple H finally hears Kane. Um, he says, absolutely not. Don't do it. You can't do this. Da-da-da, I repeat, don't do this. And Kane goes, I'll find a suitable replacement. You know it's going to be Demon Kane. And the audience isn't going to care. Why would they care? They've seen them get physical the last two, three weeks in a row. Why would anybody care about this? Oh, because it's a lumberjack match? It's not, no one's going to care. No one is going to care. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit more and get moving here. Um, really forgettable, Rod. Neville and Cesaro versus Sheamus and Bad News Barrett. 
All the European guys. Um, it's a shame and a crime that Neville and Cesaro uh, job out to Sheamus and Barrett. Um, that's all I can say. Uh, Neville should be, you know, if they bring back the Cruiserweight Championship, they bring back the European Championship, he should be that guy. Cesaro should be the man. He should be a lead heel or a lead, lead babyface, and he should challenge Brock Lesnar in the coming years. To have, any, to have him doing anything less than that, to see the reaction he got last week in Boston, top two loudest pops of the night at a main event taping or a superstars taping before Raw went on the air. <clears throat> I don't know what uh, what you're thinking, WWE, but um, Cesaro has it all. It's his time. Not really sure what you're waiting for. Um, then the Roman Reigns promo. He comes out, you see... And I saw it last week at Raw on the house show. He gets good pops. They're not straight boos anymore. He gets a 70-30 face reaction. People are kind of ready to accept this guy. Then, as this is happening, you put a fucking mic in his hands, and it's like he is reading a teleprompter. Now, I don't know how much you guys have seen of it, but when you see Roman Reigns give interviews, he's laid back, he's charismatic, he speaks very well, he carries himself very well, he can be funny, he obviously has a mean, great look. Why don't you give him talking points and let him go out and be who he is? He clearly has shown that he does not have the capacity just yet to be comfortable with a script. You know, he starts talking about, he's recapping the whole feud, which is the last thing you want to see him be doing. Um, he starts, he starts um, uh, getting a boring chant. And then he responds by saying, he said, no, this is real life, Chicago. I, oh, it's like, you know, when you're watching something and you're embarrassed for somebody, it was like that. It was like, I was watching this and I was like, come on, man. Like, just no, 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 no. Then, you know, the audience, uh, you know, keeps it up. Uh, he keeps pushing. Um, you know, he tries to egg on the, not an egg on, but like have them feel for him be like, well, what would you guys do? What would you do if someone went into your house and did this? For you? And by this point, they had already checked out. You know what I mean? They already were going to boo you. Um, and it just seemed like he was reaching after they shit on the initial lines that were given to him uh does brock lesnar talk what a sentence a year roman reigns is getting better his in-ring work has been fantastic he's consistent people are starting to get behind him a little bit two things should have happened here well one thing and then i'll give you what should happen one thing is this bray should have came out and given a promo Roman should have came out and said one thing, like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. Obviously, they can't say that. Or stop talking, let's fight, and let's do that. Keep it to those short, kind of quick things because it's clearly obvious that he doesn't have what it takes right now to, to just, just, just go, go, on the, uh, go on the mic and just, and just let loose. He just doesn't have his voice yet. It takes time to find your voice. Um, my greatest fear in life uh, all growing up was public speaking. I mean, I public speak for part of my income now to, to, to kids, to businesses. Uh, I, I host public speaking nights. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it all depends on how much you practice, how much practice you have in front of people, how comfortable you get. It's like playing an instrument. It's like working out. It's like uh, doing any, any, any hobby, any job. You only get better by practicing. So if you're not letting him talk for weeks on end, then you hand him a mic and go, okay, give us some passion. Here's your talking here. You know, here's your script. It, unless you practice, and they're not giving him a chance to do it at house shows. He doesn't say anything at house shows. Just comes out and does his Roman Reign thing. How is he supposed to get better if you just kind of hope that he's getting better and not practicing? It's not going to work. Not going to work at all. Um, so 
Bray Wyatt comes out. He's facing Braun Strowman. Um, Strowman obviously is still, you know, really raw. Uh, pretty, pretty decent match, you know, for, for, you know, how long it lasted. You know, it went about seven minutes, something like that. Um, he, you know, fans weren't really into it. Uh, they get into it at the end when Rain lands the Superman punch on Strowman. Uh, he jumps back in the ring after hitting Harper, and he wins via countout. Um, and then the Wyatts try to box him in and he slides out and it's kind of confusing because reigns up to this point has been booked as a very strong very intimidating um guy who never backs down from anybody and he 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 backed down um but then the announcers played it off as well uh bray wyatt wants to fight now because he has his backup i saw it as some seeds being planted for a heel turn um, then he gets out of the ring and Wyatt kind of eggs him on to come back and he walks up and as Bray is looking up and saying what he says, uh, Roman smokes him in the face. Um, no matter how you look at it, it was a sucker punch. Um, I'm not sure if they're trying to be smart. I wouldn't, I would not give them a much credit and say that they're being smart. Anybody from the outside looking in with the volume turned down and watching that, uh, who did, who was a first time wrestling fan. Cause that's how you, that's how you have to view a lot of stuff. Would say, oh, that guy's definitely a, a you know a cheap you know slimy heel. And he just walks away. Kind of weird. Um, okay, so I'm gonna do two more spots on Raw, and then I'm gonna wrap it up here before I go to NXT. Respect. Uh, Ryback versus Rusev with Summer Rae. Um, the announcers go right into the why Summer wasn't on T- TMZ over the weekend, and uh, if she was wondering if Summer saw TMZ because you know TMZ is a credible news source. Um, and that him and Lana are engaged. Um, I, I just, Ryback won this with a shell shock. Um, yeah. So after they basically did this match so that Ryback could get out of there, Ryback, excuse me, Ryback, <laughs> his secret book, uh, and Summer can come in and say what she wants to say. Um, she goes in, she rips him, da 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 da. She won't waste another minute of her time on him. She slaps him and leaves the ring. Um, the, the, I, okay, so two things quickly because this is the most ridiculous thing ever in the history of wrestling wwe tmz is not a credible news source it pays people their their highest paying thing or seen thing that they post is when celebrities have uh naked photos that leak okay they're not a credible news source they 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 follow celebrities around at airports and hollywood and new york city and all these places and try to pick up dirt or them saying something stupid so that they can sell it to a bigger media outlet tmz is a fucking joke Every wrestling fan, I'd say 70%, know, just from the internet, that Lana and Rusev are engaged. I never once questioned that they were not engaged. I believe they've been engaged for a while, to be honest with you. Um, or maybe maybe they maybe they just were together. I never assumed at any time when they broke up or she was with Ziggler and he was with Summer Rae that they were not together. It's wrestling. They're, they are actors in, in some respect and they are working an angle. Um... I'm trying to think of other ones. John Cena and Nikki Bella. They never mention any of the foolishness that happens on Total Divas. Like John Cena making Nikki Bella sign a fucking agreement to say that when he kicks her out, if they ever break up, that she doesn't have any, she doesn't own anything there and she gets the hell out. They don't bring that to Raw. Like, let TMZ have that. Like, do you really think that, like, anybody who's going to that Raw is going to go, oh, well, well, now I can't believe this storyline because I saw it on TMZ? Fucking no. Oh my God. Like it's, it is the weirdest. It would be like, 
when Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth got married, guess what? They were going through a divorce when they put that, that storyline on TV. Did they end up divorcing them and, and quitting the storyline because of that? No, because nobody fucking cares. No wrestling fan cares. No one cares what the actors are doing in their personal life on The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Like, WWE, how do you... Why were you? Why did you think that this one time in wrestling history, you changed the storyline, which you butchered anyway. Actually, I'm happy that we're out of this storyline because it was just in the trash since day one. You had a good chance of making it decent, and Lana got injured, and it's just been a just a drawn-out piece of shit ever since. Um, why do you think that you need to adjust storyline for a TMZ report? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And now we're just left with these last three or four months of going, well, who won here? Nobody. Rusev looks weak. Ziggler looks weak. Lana looks... She killed Lana. Summer Rae is the odd man out. Like, what are you going to do with Summer Rae now? Thanks for pulling her into that. <laughs> you know, I don't think she has you know, as nearly as much talent as half of the women in, the, in WWE. And I'm sure Stuart will hate me for saying that. But it's like, you pulled her into this, and, you know, where does she go now? You know? What is she, what is she doing? You know, how are they going to, like, follow up with this when she starts doing something else? If they have her do something else. Um, WWE, don't ever adjust the storyline for a TMZ report. Ever, 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 ever. Or any any news report. Unless it's complete unless it's the Chris Benoit tragedy or or Eddie Guerrero passing away, you know, rest in peace to those guys. Uh uh not Chris Benoit, obviously. What he did was terrible. But any any time or it's, let's say someone passed away and they're involved in a storyline, then yes, you alter the storyline. But that's or they're sick. That's not you don't ever alter it for a TMZ. Ever, ever, ever. Kevin Owens beat Kalisto in a squash match with Sin Cara. Not bad. Pretty good action. Uh, they're just trying to make him look strong uh, before heading into Hell in a Cell. Uh, let's see here. I want to touch on anything else. I would touch on I would touch <laughs> on the match at the end with Kane and Seth Rollins, but guess what? Demon Kane came out. They fought the heel. Lumberjack started beating up Kane. The face Lumberjack started beating up Seth Rollins. Everybody gets cleared out. Kane gets the better of Seth Rollins. Tombstone. One, two, three. Um, I don't understand whether, you know, I just think that they're out of ideas. I think that they're so lazy at this point. They just think that they have something in this. Um, and the numbers show what happened. By the end of the show, Raw almost dipped below three. Almost below three. If the panic button wasn't being pushed before, it's getting there now. Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> that was raw, which now I get to be in a better mood because we're going to touch on NXT takeover respect and every, I'll, I'll tell you this, this fucking pay-per-view was unbelievable. Like I watched this, I was late to starting watching it. So I didn't watch any of the spoilers. It started at eight, I believe. And I turned it on at 10 and I watched it from 10 to 12. Like when NXT started, it was what it was. So fast forward to a few years later. They, I would love to see the numbers on the WWE network of how many subscribers watch a pay-per-view from WWE. So let's just say last last, last month's Night of Champions versus this. Or watch the TakeOver in Brooklyn. Um, I just would like to see that because this show, you know, if we're giving a, a 10 out of 10 rating, nine and a half. Um, and, and that's that's just me not wanting to give, to give it a 10 because a 10, I don't know what a 10 would look like. I mean, this was as close to a 10 as I could see. There was only one complaint I had and I'll touch on it at the end. Um, this is this is what wrestling fans want. 
If you presented Raw like NXT every week, minimal talking. We're talking minimal. Actually, I believe the only talking on this show was a few back, uh, the ringside guys, the packages they played, and there wasn't even any talking. It was Dana Brooke, you know, knocked out in the back. It was Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, you know, kind of just showing them kind of in the trainer's room. There was really no backstage segments. You know, this whole like weird world that they have backstage in WWE where it's like, oh, we're just going to have a camera on Kane for six segments trying to get a phone call through. Who the fuck is going to watch that? Nobody. Wrestling fans, if the action is good, if the character is good, if they tell a good story in the ring, it's very little talking. Um, they're going to like it. That's It's just, I think WWE has gone has literally convinced themselves that they are entertainment first. They're wrestling first. Entertainment sits right there with it. Doesn't need to be first. Um, so let's just start going down the the, um, the card here. We had Samoa Joe and Finn Balor open the show uh, versus Dawson and Wilder. I'm not real big on Dawson and Wilder. Uh, nothing about them really catches my attention. Um, but they went against Finn Balor and Joe to start the show. Uh, the angle they were working in these matches for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic was that uh, Balor was going to have his knee uh, kind of hit up at the end uh, by Dawson and Wilder, and that was going to you know play out later on at the end of the show uh, in the final. Um, good opening match, got the crowd going. Uh, Samoa Joe's looking better and better as far as his cardio. Uh, Finn Balor, I think they found a good way around his demon character and, you know, bring the demon character out every once in a while. Uh, the jacket's cool. The Valor Club thing is cool. Gets him out there quicker um, and save that for when it, when it's really special. You know, hopefully uh, one day at a WrestleMania. Uh, you know, so they go to the end. Uh, Bal- you know, they, they start they start kind of teasing this this friendly rivalry or this rivalry with Joe and Balor. We're at the end of this match. Jo- uh, Joe was apprehensive to tag Balor in because of his leg, but he still wanted to get in. So he comes in, gives him the coup de grace, and uh, he w- they win one, two, three. They move on to the finals um, where they would face the winner of uh, Rhino and Corbin versus uh, Jordan and Gable. Then we had uh, Tyler Breeze and Apollo Crews. Um, I'm a big fan of Tyler Breeze. I really am. He, I think he is uh, fantastic. The only concern I have with Tyler Breeze is he's, he's very much like a Fandango character. Very much like that. Um, and... But at least NXT gives him the ability to be viable, to be believable. Because when he gets in the ring, they they give him 10, 15, 20 minutes. You know, they kept him out of the title picture down there just a tiny bit. Um, But he puts on great matches, you know. So it's proof that a a goofy character like that can work if you give them time to work. Um, They've never given Fandango really time to work. And the guy's a good wrestler. He really is. Um, you know, he, you know, he won the first NXT, uh, the first, uh, yeah, the the first season of NXT, um, been working for 10, 12 years. I mean, he, he's a local main guy. Everybody, everybody here knows how good he is, you know, but they just put him out there with, put it this way. Can you remember a Fandango match that lasted longer than two or three minutes in the last two years since WrestleMania at Jericho? Um, Tyler Breeze is ultimate proof that Fandango can work. He's entertaining and he's good in the ring. And when he needs to be serious, he can be serious. Um, but I'd like to see him either call Tyler Breeze up, maybe not call him up, just stay there. <laughs> just stay in NXT as long as you can, Tyler. Um, Apollo Crews, uh, you know, more of a prototypical WWE guy. Um, he does a really good job. Uh, I agree. I agree with somebody else. Somebody else said this on a podcast this week about, um, not liking his finisher, the kind of the ultimate warrior kind of press. And then the guy 
conveniently flips over. Uh, and he does the uh, the standing moonsault for the victory. I just think over time that would just it doesn't look impressive enough. It looks impressive, excuse me. It doesn't seem like it's uh, carrying as much impact uh, to to beat somebody. So um, he actually uh, Tyler Breeze actually countered this by grabbing his leg and hitting a kick, and then actually uh, he actually won with a sit out kind of power bomb, which I hope will be kind of like a Batista bomb will be his new finisher or one of his finishers. Um, that he could use to win because I think the the flip is cool, but I think if you're expecting that every time, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem uh, feasible that he will do that every time. Um, so I see a, a great upside for Apollo Cruz. I think he's more WWE style where they feel like they can call him up. You know, I haven't heard him talk too much beyond just a few things about how, how happy he is to be there. Um, but again, uh, Breeze loses. So I'm not sure if they're getting him ready to go up to the main roster or what the deal is, but um, you know they haven't really put Breeze over too too much. But again, like I just said, they present him as a strong, uh, viable uh, threat to beat you. You know, like at least if you see like a Fandango, or let's even go back farther to like Disco Inferno or something like that. It was never they were they were they were joke uh, characters. Like you know you can laugh and be entertained by them, but they're never really going to give you a good wrestling match, or they're never going to. Um, be a threat to beat you you know Tyler Breeze is a threat to beat you so again another solid solid match um then we have the semifinal of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic this was my favorite match on the card I know Bailey and Sasha got all the hype and it was amazing but this match you know people can shit on Baron Corbett all they want you know shit on him because he didn't pay his dues whatever you want to you know whatever you want to say great let him be a heel for the rest of his life he plays it well I like to see him get a little bit bigger uh, you know, just, just to kind of add to how big he is, which is, you know, they list him as 6'8". I've read online that he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, when he played in the NFL, uh, you know, close to 300 pounds, whatever he is. Um, Rhino still moves around good for being a very seasoned wrestler. Uh, and then you got Jason Jordan and Gable. Um, Jason Jordan and Gable, three months ago, I didn't give two shits about these guys. The last couple months with the vignettes of trying to get him to be his partner and how they portrayed these guys, you know, both ex-athletes, you know, athletes, you know, Gable being an ex-Olympian, Jason Jordan, you know, I think was an amazing baseball player and wrestler too. Um, and just the way they booked them and how they booked him is everybody looks strong. Think of somebody who looked weak in this match. Nobody. Both of your talents got over. You got the result you wanted. Nobody looks at Jason Jordan and Chad Gable as losers here because they did such a good job in this match. It was just a little mistake at the end or an amazing move at the end by Corbin that gave them the victory. So you're not... You're not even really upset that they didn't win. You're just you're so happy they put on a good show, but they gave them time. See, this is the difference between Raw and NXT. You don't get matches like this on Raw. Why not? Let people go out there and tell a story and give a good match. Jason Jordan, super athletic. Chad Gable hit one of the best uh, German suplexes I've seen where he kind of flipped over Baron Corbin, who was probably, God, 10 inches taller than him. You know, I think Gable's like 5'9", 5'10". Jason, uh, you know, Baron Corbin, 6'7", six, 6'6". Six, six. Amazing strength to kind of throw him as he did near fall. Uh, some of the moves that Baron Corbin did where he would, he would, the first one he did with, with Gable, uh, where he did like a tilt-a-roll slam, where he just had Gable going super fast, you know, great near fall. Uh, the ending was awesome. Jason Jordan came in, the crowd was into it. Um, Rhino hit a, hit a gore, got him out of the ring. They went back to the spot where, one of the most impressive spots I've seen in a long time, Baron Corbin, um, spin, you know, he go, he goes to spin around him. He spins him all the way around him, catches him with his left hand, squats him down into the end of days and hits it for the one, two, three. Now, even if you dislike this guy to the high heavens, both of those guys had to make that move work. 
and both of them pulled it off to perfection. You couldn't draw a better move, uh, perfectly executed move than that. It looked great. Both teams got over. You needed your heel team to go over so they could face the babyface team in the final. But Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, man, keep doing keep doing your thing, guys, because what you got is great. You know, people chanting along, you know, they were singing Gable, like how they used to sing Kurt Angle's theme song, you know, Gable. You know, so people, people are into him. And they're into him because of his in-ring work. Now, if you were to put that guy on Raw and have him come out and get squashed in two minutes, what does he have to, what does he have to get over? He's not big, not tall, not the best talker. He's entertaining, but not the best. Um, you know, so it, this is just proof. You know, you're, you're flowing through these matches. Now, th- now, this is three matches in, and I'm going, not one of these has been bad. I haven't wanted to fast forward. I haven't wanted to leave. Three matches in, three outstanding performances. Next up, we have the debut of Asuka. I want to say Asuka because it looks like Asuka versus Dana Brooke, who I cannot stand. I saw a sign, I want to say at SummerSlam, that's, that was right behind hard camera, and it said Dana Brooke is literally the worst. And I have to agree. Um, she looks like the kind of girl who you'd see on Instagram who like is somebody you know or is a friend of a friend that lives close to you who's got like 15,000 followers on Instagram because every photo is her vagina hanging out or her ass in a thong saying, oh, this is my fitness results. Oh, I'm doing bikini competitor. Da, 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 da. Typical uh, Instagram model um, who is a fitness competitor or something uh, who's trying to be a pro wrestler. Uh, I have to give her credit. As much as I dislike her and her in-ring style and uh, those fake lips she has, um, she did a good job of getting her ass kicked, which if you know pro wrestling, it takes a lot of talent to make it look like you're actually getting your ass kicked. Uh, versus Asuka. Asuka's intro is sick. So, for some reason, too, uh, NXT does a better job with theme music. Like, that song that Asuka had, like, that sets the tone almost a little bit, too. The tone of the of the song was the shit. I'd listen to that in my car. She comes out, takes the mask off, you know. Actually, and the funny thing about this match was um, Dana did good. It was a squash match. Uh, Asuka did this awesome thing where she, like, mimicked Dana Brooke, looked amazing. And we actually got a you fucked up chant when she smacked her in the face from the NXT crowd. I, it was hilarious to me because they kept it even on the rerun of it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like this is like some old school ECW stuff right now. Um, or Oscar's going to kill you. Like they left all that stuff in and you're sitting there and you're like, this would never happen on a raw squash goes over. Oscar wins with a, uh, kind of like a full body chicken wing type thing. She taps out. At the end, she comes outside and stares down Emma. Emma looks scared shitless. She goes to the back. And um, there it is. Uh, debut of Asuka. I think Asuka's a little bit older, 35 or 36. So if WWE is going to do something with her, um, you know, time's to do it. You know, time na- time is now to do it. Um, so here we go. Four matches in. I'm thoroughly enjoying this pay-per-view. Or not in pay-per-view. Just uh, special. I call them specials now, I guess. Um, then you have, uh, let's see here. I believe at that point, yep, we have the final, the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Uh, you got that Joe and Balor versus uh, Baron Corbin and Rhino. Um, the trophy looks awesome. The match was good, told a good story. Um, people are saying, oh, you know, they shouldn't have won. They should have used it to put somebody else new over. And it, think, think of it this way. Uh, you wanted to have that ceremony at the end with um, – with, um, uh, Jesus Christ, um, Dustin Rhodes and uh, Cody Rhodes and the, you know, the wife and uh, the mom and all that stuff and Cody's girlfriend. Um, you, you wouldn't want Baron Corbin or Rhino in there. Just put it that way. 
I think they did the right thing. Uh, I think they did a good job because they Finn Balor sold the knee the whole way through. They win. Uh, it's set this. It's set the. It's planted the seeds for Joe wanting to challenge Balor for that title now, and a possible heel turn for either one. Um, even though they're you know they're good friends. So the match was is what it was. I think overall it's weird to even say this. It was the weakest match of the night because people kind of were were uh, waiting for Bailey and Sasha. Um, but again, great match. Told the story. Uh, you let them wrestle. I think it was one of the shorter ones of the night. Um, and you know, Baron and Corbin, Baron Corbin and Rana looked good and Joe and Balor looked good. You know, they, they brought the family into the ring to present the, the trophy. Cody did a, uh, fantastic job speaking about, uh, Dusty Rhodes, his father. And, uh, he said, we're all Rhodes tonight. And that was, uh, that was a really great, uh, great thing. I was expecting, du- uh, um, gold dust, Dustin Ronalds to speak a little bit, but, uh, he didn't. But Cody's job was just fine. Um, I think in years to come, this will be a really cool, highly contested tournament, just like it was this year. Um, something cool that you're not seeing on Raw, put it that way. Um, so they got the job done. They did what they uh, did what they needed to do, and um, and they moved on. So uh, next up was the main event that everybody was just so pumped for, and I was I was so pumped for this. Uh, Sasha Banks, the boss, my favorite wrestler right now. Versus uh, versus Bailey. Now I didn't expect this match to eclipse uh, Takeover Brooklyn because that was to me that was like top five of the year wrestling matches anywhere. Not just not just um, women's wrestling, but just wrestling in general. I mean, you got that. You got the Rumble match with Lesnar and Cena and Rollins. You got SummerSlam. Maybe you got a Kevin Owens Cena match in there, but you know. Uh, some PWG, I'd say some Lucha Underground would be thrown in there. Nothing on TNA. <laughs> um, but the top five, just an amazing story. So I knew I knew my expectations were, and I knew that either way it was going to be any, better than anything we had seen women do since the last takeover in Brooklyn. Um, so Sasha Banks again comes out probably for her last time in NXT, sadly enough. And uh, I love Sasha Banks. Her, you know, her evolution as a wrestler, her swagger, um, how much the fans like her. Even though they pretend to boo her, everybody likes her. It's not like a Cena, everybody boos her. It's like a booer because you're kind of supposed to because she says some mean things sometimes. Everybody fucking loves Sasha Banks. I would say she got a bigger reaction than Bailey. Um, Bailey comes out. Uh, I like Bailey as a wrestler. As a wrestler, her entrance is <laughs> definitely driven towards kids. And uh, the little girl in the front row, I can't think of her off the top of my head right now, but this ad, the little girl in the front row is a huge Bailey fan who goes to all the NXT stuff, and uh, they always show her on TV. Uh, she was one of the best parts of this match. So we had an Iron Man match. Uh, should have been called Iron Woman. Not really sure why they didn't go with that. It's kind of weird. Um, so for 30 minutes, um, and whoever gets the most falls in 30 minutes wins. Uh, you know, Sasha steps right up, gets the heel heat, uh, you know, rakes the eyes, does a roll up for a 1-0 victory. Um they proceed uh, to go out, you know, uh, they proceed to, I think uh, Bailey got one back. They proceed to go outside uh, to be pretty physical. Uh, Sasha throws Bailey pretty hard into the, uh, the display, the LCD uh, display, um, runs back into the ring. As she's going by uh, this little girl in the front row, it was amazing. Uh, she kind of like, like says something to her, says something mean to her. Or something like that. And the little girl starts crying. And Sasha rolls back in the ring and takes a 2-1 count-out victory. So she's up 2-1. And, uh, I mean, 
I think Solid Monster said it. I love that guy. I love his podcast. Um, he tweeted something about uh, it was the best heel heat he's seen in years, which I would have to agree. <laughs> um, you made a little girl cry. Uh, I don't even think – geez, who's been the big heels lately in WWE because there really isn't any. Um, Seth R- Think of any heel in WWE. You tell me when the last time is they made a little per- a little kid cry. Get back to me and I'll buy you a monster because monster does sponsor the show. And because of that, I'm going to take a drink of it right now. It's refreshing every time. Monster, I'm still waiting for my uh, my case to come in. Thank you very much. Um, so she gets back in. The match is winding down. They're doing a lot of good wrestling now. The first five or ten minutes, I think, was some, some, some time killer. Uh, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of false finishes, trying to bite some time off. Um... They, uh, they tie it up, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tied up all the way to the end. Uh, they do the spot again where, uh, Bailey gives her the reverse hurricane Rana off the top. Uh, I was really nervous for this because of the last time they did this at NXT takeover Brooklyn. Uh, there was a, there was a shot going around of Sasha and how close it was to her landing. Oh, she did land on her neck, but how close she was to really injuring herself. Um, so I was kind of holding my breath when they did this again. They seemed to pull it off better. Uh, but still a great, great reaction. Um, you know, Bailey hits the belly to belly with, you know, we're looking at 20 seconds left uh, and she locks on um, a submission. And I think the finish was what it was. I think it was really, really good. I told a great story. I'm obviously not going into tons of detail about the match. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you have watched this shit and you've seen how good it is and how good of a woman's match it, it, it truly is. And what women's wrestling and wrestling in general is capable of. Um, with about two seconds left in the match, Sasha, uh, verbally submits. Uh, I, I think the verbal submit is not good because she couldn't get her arm free. Cause by the way, Bailey was holding her. So aesthetically you're watching at home, you're watching in the, in the stands. You want to see kind of that, that aesthetic, you know, motion of somebody tapping out. You don't want to think, Oh, Oh, they said they quit. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where I, I think they could have planned that a little bit better. So Sasha could have actually had an arm free to tap as opposed, but, uh, she wins, um, the crowd erupts. Um, now this is, and again, I'd say one to 10, we're giving this match a nine two. the match at takeover Brooklyn was a 10. Can't get any higher than that. Again, these women have great chemistry. Bailey is still the only four horsewoman member who has not been called up. They're all around at ringside step with Stephanie McMahon, which I'll touch on here in a second. And they go into the finish, which was, which is really, really cool. My one gripe about it is the crying uh, needs to stop. We're aware that you're putting on a good match. Um, we're aware that you're emotional and that it means a lot to you. Um, if you're going to cry, cry off camera or just if you're the um, face cry. If you're the heel, if you're Sasha Banks, you know, you you can't. They did it at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn. You, you Sasha Banks 10 minutes prior was trying to stop on Bailey's injured hand and she was this dastardly heel trying to beat her. Just because the match is over doesn't mean you should break kayfabe. Doesn't mean you guys should hug and cry all over each other. You still have to maintain some sort of story for the business. You know, they come out. Everybody's applauding on stage. This is great. They give them flowers. Sasha Banks is crying. She's not crying as a heel because she lost. She's crying because she's sad she's leaving and because the match was good and because Bailey is her friend. And um, so if you're asking us to suspend disbelief, um, don't immediately go okay belief time over uh play time over we're gonna get serious now it just 
keep it within the realm of let's let's let this be a movie let's let this be a story and then afterwards the 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 backstage stuff twitter instagram that could be their time to talk about how they like it it shouldn't be shouldn't be in the ring you know it shouldn't be them hugging which they did not do this time they were apart she was on the stage bailey was in the ring getting the flowers from triple h and the much much deserved uh kind of uh, standing ovation she did get um wwe you want to know what to do with raw you want to know what to do with smackdown watch this fucking special watch it two hours minimal talking storylines were told uh by packages in the past storylines were told in the ring the action was good they were given time and there was winners and losers and when the winners and losers uh the only person who looked uh decently weak was dana brooke which i'm okay with um even people who lost looked good uh, and that's how you get people over you you build them as a viable you know threat jason jordan and chad gable i would say if they wrestled that match if they wrestled any tag team right now they have a chance to beat him even though the last match they wrestled they lost um how low do the ratings have to go wwe before you sit back and you go you know if they go below a three i'm actually pretty interested to see what's going to happen with that because as everybody's saying now vince mcmahon is micromanaging everything he's making every decision again he's you know kind of freaked out by the ratings as he should be um you have talent in fucking wwe i'll book it look i'll book a raw right now and in two minutes that you'd want to watch rather than what they put on TV last week. Opening match. Let's say, um, let's say uh, Xavier. The New Day comes out to open. To open, uh, they put in the ring. Uh, let's say Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods to wrestle. He comes out and says he wants to do a Xavier Woods open challenge. Guess who comes out? Cesaro with the European Championship around uh, his shoulder, and he says, "I'm bringing this back." We're going to have an open challenge for it right now. I'm not going to claim it right away. You want this? You want another belt in your stable? Let's go. Xavier Woods can fucking go. Give him 15 minutes. 10, 12, 15 minutes. Let Cesaro be the superstar he is. Put Cesaro over. You start having Twitter happening. Twitter starts talking about, oh my God, did you see that? You say you have to tune into Raw. Cesaro wins the European Championship. You give him a championship to stand on and run with since he is Swiss and because that's what Vince says is holding him back. Boom, there you go. You come out next time. Fandango comes out. He cuts a pipe bomb promo. He talks about how he's one of the best wrestlers in WWE, but he's been put into this gimmick and no more is it going to happen. No more is he going to be that guy. And out comes Adam Rose talking about how, uh, you know, he feels the same way, da 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 da, this and that. Uh, They're not going to take it anymore. And they form a stable. Then out of the back, they uh, then out of the back let's say another tag team the ascension comes out and says we have no problem da 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 saying that uh you know we are who we are we weren't given bad gimmicks so we can kick your fucking ass fandango adam rose the uh the character adam rose uh leo kruger from nxt i can't remember his real name the special espn did can you imagine the pop that two guys being themselves not wearing those clothes who wrestled like they're supposed to wrestle and they dropped their party dance gimmicks and they beat the fuck out of the extension. Can you imagine the pop they would get? This is two matches in. I'm getting excited booking this and I'm pretty sure social media, if both of these matches happen, you would garner 500,000 to a million more people tuning into your show just to see this. That just gives you an example of what should happen on Raw. And did I mention any backstage segments yet? No. Did I mention any Kane? No. Did I mention overexposing your champion or people during the night? Back in the Attitude Era, you saw the superstar enter. You saw him come out. 
and do his thing and leave and you didn't see him for the rest of the show. Sometimes you didn't even have him announce that he was there. Sometimes they'd come back from commercial commercial break at hour two. Boom, out comes The Rock to face Edge in a squash match. And that was it. You had to wait till next week to see him. You don't need to put the guy, the champion, uh, you know, throughout. Kane does not need to be on television seven times in a show. Taking up roughly 30 minutes of the show. He doesn't need to be there. Pretty simple. Book Raw like NXT. You'll see your ratings increase. Give people what they want. Plain and simple. Ziggler. Have Ziggler come out and be a dastardly heel and have him talk about how he loves to take people's girlfriends and how Cena's away now and he's going to hit on um, freaking uh, Nikki Bella. Have a guy come... Let's see here. Let's see who's on the active roster here. Have Wade Barrett come out. Have... Uh, oh, Kevin Owens. Have Kevin Owens come out and say, you know what? <laughs> um, I... you know, Or have Kevin Owens in the ring talking about whatever. And Ziggler claims he's going to take Kevin Kevin's Owens' wife now. Put Ziggler and Owens in a feud. Just give people good matches. That's all you have to do. It's not hard. Oh, and did I mention Sasha Banks? Don't say it's a Divas Revolution because you carve out four minutes, two four-minute slots on the show to have Nikki Bella go in there while Bree's outside going, come on, Nikki, a thousand times and annoying everybody, and then getting a roll-up on Charlotte just to make her, or whoever she pinned, uh, Naomi, uh, just to say it's a Divas Revolution because they're on TV. It's not a revolution. You're not letting them wrestle. Have Sasha Banks come out, have her fight Becky Lynch, who has... Becky been in a match yet on Raw or got into a match? I don't think so. And if she has, it's been a minute. It's been forgettable. Um, have them wrestle. Give them 10 minutes to show people what they can do. Have people go, oh, they finally gave him a chance on Raw. I'm going to tune into Raw now to see good women's wrestling because the only place I can see that's NXT. I'm a guy who is not a writer. I don't have a writer's background. I'm a decently creative person. I just gave you an hour of Raw that is better than anything they put out in weeks that would bring in more ratings. So the people you're paying the six-figure salaries to do this WWE um, or Vince McMahon, um, you need to start listening to your fans. This is what we're clamoring for. This is what we want. People would start watching again if this was the case. Um, Not really sure. I'm not sure if it's laziness. I'm not sure if it's stubbornness on their part. Um, You can see the clear difference between a a Triple H booked event and a Vince McMahon. Um, Or not even uh, Triple H. Whoever's booking NXT... If you were to give them a, a, a switch and let them go to Raw for a week or two weeks, it would probably be the most amazing Raws you've seen in the last 10 years. Just saying. Ah, God, that was a big rant. It, you know, and this is this is the tone all around the internet. If you go to any wrestling podcast, you know, in the last two weeks, I'm not the only person talking this way. There is lots of people out there that are talking just like me. We want to stay because there's so much potential to make things great. But each week we get so pissed because... They're not using the potential. They're just they're just squandering it. And they're just not using people the right way. And it's not hard. Like Jim Cornette says it all the time. Like all oh, these old school guys. Like it's not hard, motherfucker. Like just book a good guy versus a bad guy and let them go. And fill the story in around them. People want that. You know, whoever's making these decisions, Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon, guys, you're not uh, MGM. You're not Paramount. You're not Sony Pictures. You're none of that. You're none of any of that. You're not a movie. Co- you know, you know, we make movies. You don't make movies. You are pro wrestling. Do not forget what got you there. NXT hasn't, and I hope NXT never forgets what got them there. Last three questions for the mailbag. I'm going to get out of here. I got some more stuff to do today. I'm almost out of Monster. Again, they have my official sponsor for this show. Um, find your favorite blue, white, and red, and orange, and yellow flavors wherever you go. They are zero calories and zero sugar. Not sure how they pull that off. Um, tastes good though, and I have one every day. 
Um, so yeah, get a monster. First question from John in Waterville. Waterville's in Maine for everybody listening who doesn't live in Maine. Um, you seem like you have a pretty good knowledge of WWE. Uh, when is your, what is your earliest memory of WWE and what brought you into watching wrestling? Well, to be honest with you, uh, we didn't get, I think where I grew up in Smithfield, we had the early cable set up and I actually got TBS more. I remember WCW being my favorite before it switched to raw before it switched to WWF at the time. But I remember my first memory of pro wrestling was Dusty Rhodes, um, Sting, and Vader type stuff around 1990, 91, when I was about five or six years old, right when your memories first start, when you try to think back to earliest times in your life, and seeing that and just loving pro wrestling, loving it, loving it, loving it. Just the, the, I love the, I love Sting, and I love Dusty Rhodes, and um, I used to like Lex Luger, even though I later found out he's a complete prick, and I you know, after having a better idea of what wrestling is, but they don't like him anymore. I remember that one time that Vader beat Sting when Vader first debuted and just squashed Sting. I was like severely, severely depressed about that. I was like a five and six year old. Um, and I remember just, you know, I broke my collarbone when I was four years old. When I was four years old. I had those wrestling buddies. I had been five. I was at my camp in the summer and I put a macho man wrestling buddy like across my grandmother's dog. And as a four or five year old, I jumped up to the top of the couch and I decided to macho man elbow drop the doll, but it was on top of the dog, which I'm not sure what that means. Um, I wasn't trying to hurt her. I swear (laughs) dog moved. I actually went for it. I didn't put my legs out. I actually went for this shit, broke my collarbone at four years old (laughs) because of pro wrestling. Uh, and I had my arm in a sling for that whole summer. So that was my first time breaking a bone. I think it's my only time breaking a bone was performing a wrestling move. Yeah kind of proud of that story now but anyway my first memories of wbf were yokozuna brett the hitman hart um jake the snake i remember renting videos in norwalk maine at the the wrestling section they used to have like royal rumble night you know you know all these pay-per-views from like you know the first wrestlemania i remember rent, renting wrestlemania 3 like in 19 you know just re- renting all of these whatever they had whatever vhs's would come in i would get them and if you were able to I would copy the VHS tapes <laughs> and try to catalog them myself. Some of them you couldn't tape. They had a, a blocked blocker on there or something like that. So, uh, but wrestling has been in my life for 25 years. Um, the one regret I probably have in life instead of, instead of coming out of college after football and, and working for myself, although I love that now it's stressful sometimes, but sometimes it's, you know, amazing um, is I should have went to wrestling school. Uh, I definitely have the athletic ability to do that. Um, definitely have the charisma. I definitely have, a lot of the intangibles. I'm not sure about my size, uh, but even if I went in and I was completely terrible at all of that stuff, worse than I thought I was, uh, I would work at it as much as I could to try to get there because, um, you know, granted you could think of jobs and it'd be great. I think you'd want to do it. I really think I'd want to do it. Um, so unless I tried and I found out I didn't like it, but that's one thing I regret is not going into pro wrestling in some form. Um, I, I really enjoy it. And I think, now I think I'm at an age where I just turned 30. Uh, I don't think they like guys starting unless you're DDP and after 30. Uh, they like people now quite quite a bit younger when they start. Um, so yeah, that was my thanks for your question. Uh, my man John from Waterville. Um, yeah, I used to run him. I used to go into Waterville too. I used to go into, uh, what was the name of the video store in Waterville? Uh, there was some video store in Waterville that I used to go to. They had a bigger selection of wrestling videos and I would go there um, in Oakland too. I would go there and get those. Um, so that was my first memories. Um 
take on Cena uh, from Patrick in New Hampshire in Nashua. Um, what do you think is going on with John Cena? And do you believe everything WWE is telling us about why he's taking time off for personal reasons? Thanks. First three episodes have been great. Well, thank you. Uh, I also got an email earlier that said that I was terrible at this. Uh, if I can pull it up and read it, I'll tell you. That you fucking suck at this podcast from some email I didn't know. But thank you for that. I appreciate that. If you're going to blame anybody, blame Monster, man. Uh, keep doing a better job and so you don't think I fucking suck anymore. Um, but yeah. So anyway, uh, I heard a rumor yesterday or two days ago that Cena's actually filming a reality show for NBC or Fox or something like that, like a fitness reality show. And to be honest, why is this even news? Like the motherfucker legitimately has been off, let's say in the last 10 years, he's been away like a total of like eight or nine months for injuries. The guy doesn't take a day off. He is like the standard bearer, the guy who always does all these others. Every mini house show I've been to in Maine or whatever, he's at. When the houses are like a thousand people, 2000 people, he's there. Uh, he's making all the towns. He's doing all the appearances. Um, you know, so he, he deserves time off. And I don't understand why people are like qu- questioning why this man is taking time off. If he wants to take three months to go film a porn, who cares? Let him have his time off. And to be honest with you, he probably needs a, a, a refresher. I mean, people like to see him, but it's good to send him away every now and again. I mean, people want to see him again or, you know, try to pop a rating when he comes back, whatever, whatever the ratings are at when he decides to come back. So I think it's good. I think he's, saying he needs personal time away or whatever it is just so he can not do something besides throwing himself at the ground because hey i don't know if you're ever taking a bump in a pro wrestling ring but it hurts in 10 years of it kind of wear on you after a while so thanks for the question man um i think he's probably just kind of worn out (laughs) and uh, he needs some time off so so yeah so um last question uh this is actually from a friend of mine i will not say his name he did not want his name said on here but he asked me to discuss why is cesaro seemingly forever stuck in the mid card (sighs) i'm gonna wrap this up because we're getting short on time here but i believe cesaro is stuck in the mid card because he is not their creation um he is not a guy they see uh, on their magazines he's not a guy that they see in their movies he's not a guy they see in their commercials he's not pretty like roman reigns or pretty like john cena or you know filled with silicone like you know the bella twins um because at the end of the day WWE wants to put out the best product to make other products. Look at everything WWE does. Wrestling at this point is probably 3% of it. It's what you can do with the cups, the clothing, the movies, the YouTube specials, uh, the network stuff, all that stuff. It's what you can do with everything beyond wrestling. So if it was just wrestling, Cesaro would be the, you know, the king right now. Um, There's no denying his popularity. There's no denying how bad fans want to see him in that spot. It's not because he's Swiss, that infamous quote from Vince McMahon on the Stone Cold podcast. Um, People love this motherfucker. I've seen it every time I go to a house show, every time I go to a show. People love Cesaro. Um, I'm not, you want want to see a good match with Cesaro? Watch Sami Zayn and Cesaro from NXT. I want to say two years ago when Cesaro first got called up and he was working with Zayn. One of the most impressive matches I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Watch Cesaro in that match and tell me what you think. Guy is a beast. Unbelievable. Um, I think he does have swagger. I think he is funny. That Table for Three, which by the way, if you haven't watched Table for Three on WWE Network, watch every single episode. It is fan-fucking-tastic. The one where he's sitting down in the IC, uh, not the IC Champions Club. Is it that? No. The Brass Ring Club, excuse me. It's Cesaro, uh, Kevin Owens, and Ambrose. Oh, so good. Cesaro's good. He's not that hard to understand. He's funny. He's got good timing. He's not... 
you don't sit there and go, oh, what's he saying? He's good. He's funny. He can hold the conversation. Um, you know, I, I perfect booking. I would like to see Brock Lesnar and Cesaro at WrestleMania this year with Cesaro going over. Somebody slaying Brock Lesnar who's viable, who actually can slay him. Um, I think it's because WWE can't market him uh, or thinks they can't. Um, but to every wrestling fan out there like me, we don't give a fuck. We would still buy his shirt because we think he's the man. Will you put him in a, your, you know, your cartoons or your magazines or whatever else you're doing? Probably not. Uh, can you do all these press tours for charity? Probably not because, you know, you think he can't speak English, you know, well enough. Um, but that's why. I mean, I, that, that, that's what I think. That's what I think the reason is. Um, or it can go back to just being plain old lazy. Maybe they're just too lazy to think of a good idea for him. I thought of a pretty good idea for him. Anyway, that's the show this week. Um, Monster's gone. It's been gone for a while. Thank you guys for subscribing. Uh, our plays are going up every week. People are passing it around. It's pretty rad. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to have a guest on next week. Try to get a, an interview from uh, an ex-WWE superstar, possibly Hall of Famer in the next couple weeks. Um, so, you know, you know, stick with us. Keep doing the reviews. If there's something you want me to touch on that I haven't touched on, email me at you know it's fake right at gmail.com. You know it's fake right podbean.com is the official homepage and you can find us on iTunes just just search you know it's fake right uh, recommend subscribe uh, tell people I fucking suck if you like that too either way just let them know about the podcast um, and yeah thank you guys for listening to you know it's fake right podcast I'll be back next week on time I promise probably with a guest and uh, take care of yourselves take care of others and have a good day you're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of and then at five in the morning at the airport you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on ebay because you're too lazy to go get a real job